Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent while you're smashing. Let me remind you what we've got going on over a 10-week span. It's called the Summer Shootaround. It's a series during which we're going to focus on 20 notable teams over a span of 10 weeks. Two per week, 20 teams in 10 weeks. We're doing the schools in alphabetical order. Got all that at 20 in 10 weeks. Dead leg. Alphabetical order. We've already knocked out Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Creighton, Duke, Gonzaga, Houston, Indiana, and Kansas. Now we turn our attention to the Kentucky Wildcats. They went 26-8 and last season, finished tied for second in the SEC, got a two-seed in the NCAA tournament, and then, whoo. What happened? <laughs> what happened? They lost to the St. Peter's Peacocks in the first round of the NCAA tournament. From that team, they no longer have Ty Tay Washington, Kellen Grady, Keon Brooks, Davion Mintz. So that's four of the top six scores. But National Player of the Year, Oscar Shibwe, is back. So is point guard Xavier Wheeler. That's two of the top five scores. And UK also has the fifth best recruiting class in the country set to enroll. I like the team. I've got them ranked fourth in the top 25 and one. We'll see what Norlander thinks of John Calipari's Wildcats momentarily. First, though, a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. You surprised my peacock impersonation held up all these months later? Uh, you know what? That's bad on me. I should have I should have seen that coming. Um, the last time you did the, the impression on the pod, with me at least, was when I was dying in South Carolina. My internet was horrendous. I enjoyed it. I wanted to enjoy it so much more than I was able to in that moment. So uh, that was good. Now, qu- did you did you practice that, or was that all was that improv right there? Did you know, did you know that was coming? Oh, I I, I did not. Um, I did not. That was spontaneous. Okay, okay. That was a spontaneous Pretty peacock good. impersonation. But I will tell you, I practice it all the time. Okay, <laughs> you just look in the mirror. Yeah, like I'd just be driving down the road. I'll just start doing a peacock impersonation because I don't ever want to lose it, you know? Yeah. You know you know how if you have this skill, but then you don't go to it very often, you'll right. lose it? Yeah. I don't want to lose that skill of, of of being a peacock impersonator. So I practice every once in a while just to, you know, stay sharp. Man, and that that originated, and we will get to your 2022-23 Kentucky Wildcats in just a minute here. <laughs> they can't but, wait. Kentucky kids can't wait for us to turn the page on this. No. Um, but that, first, let's revisit the St. Peter's Law. Let's go back to the, you know what, it's midway through the first half, and I'm sitting there thinking, anyway, um, this whole thing originated, I think someone on Twitter asked if you would do the noises, mm-hmm. and then I hit up Nada, because you were in studio, right. and I was like, I'm going to ask Paris to do this peacock noise, and I don't think he's going to do it. And lo and behold, did you ever? I had seen the tweet um, as I was in a car going from the studio back to my hotel. And you looked it up on YouTube or something. Yeah, and I was like, I don't even know what a peacock sounds like. And so then I looked up peacock sounds on on YouTube, and I was like, I think I can maybe do this. I think I can impersonate a peacock. And and, and so I didn't – I don't know if I practiced in the car because I thought that might have been super weird for my driver – but I got to a point where I felt confident that I could do it. If you go back and revisit that clip, you were asking from a place of uncertainty, like, will yeah. you do this? Yeah. And my response was like, watch this. <laughs> will I? Not only will I do it, I'll do it well. I'll do it brilliantly. Just incredible, man. Like, if, you know, Saturday Night Live, they've got all these actors that do these impersonations. Like, if they ever, God, if they could ever come up with a, like a, you know, a place for a peacock. I feel like that would be my opportunity to maybe become a cast member at Saturday Night Live. Wedge yourself right in there. Yeah. Like I can't impersonate Donald Trump or Joe Biden or, you know, the yeah. people that they typically impersonate, but I can do a peacock. And so you just got to write, you got to write to my strengths. They lost Pete Davidson. They need somebody. Why can't I be the next Pete Davidson? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like that inspiration might be coming from a different place. All right. Kentucky, you've got them. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you here. I'm way in on this team. Now, despite losing all it lost, bring back National Player of the Year, Oscar Shibway, who can he rep... All right, let's just start there before we get to the rest of the roster, get to the schedule, win predictions, get to Calipari and all this stuff. Is Shibway going to repeat as National Player of the Year? Let's make the prediction right here, August, mid to late August of 2022, Will that happen? Are we going to have back-to-back National Player of the Year in men's college basketball for the first time since? Oh, geez, I'd have to. I'd have to look this up. It's been oh, oh, trivia time. You got it. Yes, I got it. All right. Who was see. the last player? Let's just go player. Who was the yep. last player to win back-to-back Naismith awards? I'm gonna say Bill Walton. No, no, no Nays- Naismith. Yeah, Nays- I'll say Walton. Naismith, no, I think, was established. Happened more right? recently than that. It happened in the '80s. Happened in the 80s. Yeah. Ewing? 
No, he was a Naismith player of the year, but never did it back to back. Okay. Give me two more guesses. I feel like I should be able to get this in four. Back to back Naismith winner. This, happened. This, this person won it while Patrick Ewing was in school at Georgetown. Um, I don't feel like Elijah on did this, so I'm not going to officially log him as a vote just yet. Uh, so we're looking early eighties and we're thinking about the most prominent teams, most prominent players. Uh, I don't think Jordan did this. He wasn't even the best player. It's a freshman at Carolina. Jordan was a Naismith player of the year, but not back to back. No, like, yeah. Um, it was while you all right. Elijah one will be will be guest three. I don't think that's it though. Um, Elijah one was never a Naismith player of the year. Okay. Um, how angry am I going to be at not getting this? Well, I mean, you'll know it, but it would not be. It would not have automatic. Oh, you know what? I got it. I got you, Ralph Sampson. It is Ralph Sampson. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He I won it three straight years. Yeah, that's what it was. That's yeah. That's a ridiculous. Eighty one, eighty two, eighty three. While I was looking this up, the other thing I noticed is that the National Player of the Year in college basketball used to be a future NBA star. Like in this range, you've got Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Ralph Sampson three times. And and now, like our our players of the year are Luca Garza, <laughs> Obi Toppin. Yeah, baby. Frank Mason. Yes. Frank Kaminsky. Oh. Doug McDermott, Trey yeah. Burke, like the last, unless you count Zion, mm-hmm. and I guess you can't. Can he's, he's, yeah. he's an NBA star. Yeah. Um, he never plays, but he's a star. Um, the last national player of the year to like be a legitimate NBA star is Anthony Davis in 2012. I mean, Jalen Brunson's a good, very good NBA player, but he's never even been an all-star. It changed the entire trajectory of the Knicks, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> we'll see. I hope so. Um, but yeah, it's like Anthony, we haven't had a Naismith National Player of the Year develop into a legitimate NBA star outside develop of Zion. Is, develop is carrying. Yeah, that. outside yeah. of Zion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the last one was Anthony Davis, which was more than a decade ago, which is just sort of interesting because, like, you know, Naismith Award became a thing in 1969. That was Lou. Well, he was a thing in the 1890s, but I know what you're saying. The award. He was no. He was no two-year-old Tony Hinkle. I was trying to think of that. I couldn't think of who. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't think of two-year-old Tony Hinkle. Do I not. How dare I, you? I forgot about two-year-old. Unacceptable. Lou, like you had Lou Alcindor, uh, Alcindor, uh, Pete Maravich, Bill Walton three times, David Thompson, Larry Bird. Like these guys are Hall yeah. of Fame level guys, and that's not really who the. National Player of the Year has become um, over the past decade or so. Either way, so if the question is, can Oscar do? I can. Will okay. Will. Well, my official answer will be no. Same. I because agree. I just because I just get the I get literally everybody else. That's why you have to take everybody else. That's yes. right. Yeah. But do I? But what is Oscar Sheboy clearly the favorite? How about this? I do not think he'll be. Na- if you tell me I can take literally every other player in the country or Oscar Sheboy, I'm taking every other player in the country. But. Um, who is most likely to be the national player of the year? I do think that is Oscar Shibwe because there's no reason to think he'll be anything other than the statistical monster he was last season. There's very few reasons to think Kentucky won't be very, very good again this season. And that's the other thing. Kentucky was really good last season. 
It's just nobody remembers it because of the Peacocks. They finished sixth at Ken Palm. They were fifth in offensive efficiency, even though they didn't shoot the ball well from the perimeter. They won at Kansas by 18 points. That team was good last season. Yes. So I'm assuming they're going to be really good slash great this season. I'm assuming Oscar is going to post the same kind of numbers, and that's National Player of the Year stuff. He averaged 17.4 points and 15.1 rebounds last season, became just the second player in basically four decades to average north of 15 points and 15.1 boards in a season. I expect him to duplicate that. Uh, now, it's hard. 15 boards in a game in a 40-minute game is hard, but Shibuya is an absolute monster. Um, we are in the process uh, of completing our Candid Coaches series, and one of the questions we ask every single year, so we'll be on the board again this season, is who do you think the best player in the country will be? Um, and obviously, Sheboy has received some votes, but it, uh, but we'll see how, just how close uh, his competition is. Um, I will say on my on my returns, he is not running away with it. So um, it will be interesting to see. I will say he will. I he's going to be a first team All American. I'd be stunned if he. I would. It would have to result in. Um, just a bizarre plot twist. Oh, by the way, the, I, this is random as hell. Like two nights ago, I don't know why. I don't know why. Two nights ago, I had a dream that Bob Huggins was trying to recruit Oscar Shibway back to West Virginia, away from Kentucky, and like I was somewhere, and they were they were like thirty feet away from me on a sidewalk, and Huggins got out of a van, and he was having this like clandestine meeting with Shibway, and I was like. I got I got to report this, but then again, like I got to wait until he's actually like recruit. He's back in West Virginia, and like he's with. It was weird, man. It was <laughs> no no incrimination of Mister Huggins, none. But I did have that dream like two nights ago. Yeah, if I were Bob Huggins, I would try to recruit Oscar. Sure, back. he probably is right now. <laughs> I, I, anyway, I, it would take something drastic, injury otherwise, right. for Sheboy not to be a first team All American. He will be the centerpiece. But what makes it interesting is. You know, how much is he going to develop offensively overall? So so much of his value came in uh, being just a monster in the paint, wonderful rebounder, really good defensive player. I think he can actually get even better defensively. And then Kentucky was good because there were a lot of uh, really nice pieces around it. Now, Severe Wheeler back. Kaysen Wallace is maybe your sneaky, not so sneaky, I mean, highly rated prospect. Uh, maybe he winds up being the best freshman in the country. I think there's certainly potential there. CJ Frederick is going to be available finally via Iowa. Um, And is this this the breakout season for Jacob Toppin? Is Jacob Toppin going to emerge as, if Sheboy is going to be the best player, will we look up in mid-December, mid-January and see Jacob Toppin as the number two guy on this roster? I know Kentucky fans are really excited about this. Uh, He's shown well in the exhibition. They just, you know, Kentucky went to the Bahamas and, you know, teams they were playing were the teams they were playing. I get all that. But offensively, they did look well. I'm, I don't know if you do or don't have some of that prepped for this pod, GP, but I was looking over it, and I think there are some good indications right now uh, with what Kentucky can be on offense again. You know, Toppin, um, they've got, uh, they've got what's his name, from, uh, from uh, Antonio Reeves, Reeves from Illinois State, who was like a 19, 20-point-per-game kind of guy. And last season... Kentucky ranked fifth in offensive efficiency in the country. Fifth. And this was after, you know, we had heard how much they needed to revamp their offense going into last season. That works coming off the nine-win season. I understand that Kentucky fans losing to St. Peter's, nine wins the season before. Like, Cal, I was on radio a few days ago in Louisville, I guess it was. And, yeah, you can objectively say that John Calipari going into the season – 
faces more pressure than he's ever had since being at Kentucky. And then really you go beyond that. This wasn't there at Memphis to the same level. Maybe like his, maybe Parrish, you can answer this. Maybe his first season at Memphis, but I can't tell you the last time Cal actually entered a season in college with as much on him as this season, which isn't to say he's on the hot seat. He's not, but just Kentucky fans, they don't take kindly to a nine win season followed up by a loss to a 15 seed. No matter that St. Peter's wound up going to the elite eight. I do buy into this team. I buy into the talent. I buy into Shibway, and I think it's going to be a top five team in America, but that expectation paired with the results from the past couple of years, I do think offers up a very intriguing dynamic around this Kentucky team, particularly when, as we've seen recently, and I know you talked about it on the episode that I wasn't on recently, like Cal's also made it, he makes it noisy every off season, but like he's made it noisy in a way where it's kind of come back on him in ways that it hasn't in years before. And so uh, no shortage of intrigue around Lexington as we get ready to head into the fall here. I would argue that John's never entered a season of college basketball under more fan pressure than he's under right now. Um, not to say that if they're, if they disappoint, he'll be fired. They owe him so much money. And I, I just, I, I'd have a hard time seeing it go there. I'd never rule anything out, but I'd have, I'd have a hard time seeing it go there, but there is no denying that the results have fallen off. The recruiting classes really haven't, but the results have, uh, you know, at, at Because like people remember how it in Memphis those last four years, where it was like um, Elite Eight uh, title game, or it was like Elite Eight, Elite Eight title game, Sweet Sixteen, something like that. They won more games in that four year period than any team in the history of college basketball. I believe that was true until they had to vacate two thousand eight. But before that, it was I I want to say one NCAA tournament win in. On, you know, is, is this guy worth the money we're paying him? Or is this guy, you know, ever going to get this back where it's going? But it wasn't like, and if he doesn't, we might, might be time to, because at Memphis, it was kind of understood. You can't do better than this guy. And whereas at Kentucky, they think they can have whoever they want. And so he's under real job pressure right now. Because again, the results have fallen off. Um, he went uh, to the final four in his second year at Kentucky. First team was the John Wall DeMarcus Cousins team that was, I mean, probably should have won the national championship. They lose to Bob Huggins in the Elite Eight. Um, but he goes to Final Four in year two, when national title in year three. He made four Final Fours in his first six seasons at Kentucky. That's crazy. Four Final Fours, first six seasons at Kentucky. So that's where he set the bar. He made zero Final Fours in the past seven seasons at Kentucky. Four in the first six, zero in the past seven. Hasn't won an NCAA tournament game since 2019 and two years ago worst season in modern history last season lost to peacocks in the first round of the tournament he's under real job pressure and i i I think the incident to the extent that it's an incident that he had with mark stoops the football coach there sort of underlines that it is um, impossible it would have been impossible five years ago to think John Calipari could say anything. The football coach at Kentucky might feel disrespected, speak up against John Calipari and Kentucky fans would side with the football coach. That would have been impossible to imagine not too long ago, but that actually just happened. 
and again, the football coach came out of it stronger than the basketball coach. The basketball coach, John Calipari, how about this? John Calipari said, I called Mark Stoops. He didn't answer. Haven't heard back from him. I'll try to call again. There was a time where if John Calipari called your phone, you had to, you answer. <laughs> Calipari suddenly <laughs> transformed himself into the role of a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if this coach is going to pick up right now. Uh, maybe I'll try it tomorrow. <laughs> now he can't get his football coach to call him back. Think about that. That's where we're at. And oh, by the way, can't snap his fingers and get a new practice facility done. Which, by the way, the, uh, you've been at that practice facility. Like, and not to say that like it couldn't use a little upgrade. I get all that. I get the recruiting wars. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Kentucky's not hurting for practice facility amenities. Let's go. Come on. But like there was, I, I bet you John thinks I should be, if I want a new practice facility, I should be able to get one. I bet he believes that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes. Because he is, with few exceptions and possibly no exceptions, always been the most powerful person on whatever campus he's worked on. Yeah. And now he it's can't. like 1992. And now he he can't get the AD to build him a practice facility. So he publicly, you know, takes issue with, with that. It didn't really occur to me Mark Stoops would get bothered by what he said. I figured Mitt Barnhart would be bothered by what he said. But then Mark Stoops pops off, you know, claps back at Cal. Barnhart, Barnhart you know, basically publicly criticizes Cal. And there's like, that's just a wild place for him to be. The, the, the place that he's at right now. I'll tell you this. I had a, a friend of his call me after I wrote the column about all this and said, more or less, I love John, but he should have left for UCLA. When that job opened, he should have left for UCLA because he's run his course at Kentucky. It, it's just, now, I, now, this will all be fine if he wins another national title, maybe even just goes back to a Final Four this year, and he's got a team good yeah, enough yeah, to yeah. do it. But like, this person and this person is somebody John would call a friend said he's just he's run his course at Kentucky uh, there. They'll be fine as long as he keeps winning at, at or starts winning again at a high level. But every not great season is going to be really, really hard for him at Kentucky going forward until he's no longer the Kentucky coach, which uh, I kind of get. I don't think that means he should have left for UCLA, but I do think. um He's in a different place at Kentucky right now than he's ever been. I, the fan confidence in him is lower than it's ever been, even if he got a team that I think can very reasonably win the national championship. Fan confidence is is at an is 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 not at a great place right now, which again is just not a, a, a normal place for him. Before we get to win totals and any other thoughts on the roster, let me ask you what got asked of me on that radio interview a few days ago. Is there anyone right now employed in let me distinct here. Anyone right now in college basketball, so I'm not talking about like an NBA coach, that you would rather have coaching Kentucky right now than John Calipari? No. I think, well, I mean, like Bill Self. I'd rather have Bill Self. Okay. But like you can't get Bill Self. Bill Self's yeah. not going to leave Kansas for Kentucky. But yeah. I still I, think Cal is, Self could handle it. I still think Cal is the best coach for Kentucky employed in college basketball right now. Maybe they're still the best coach for Kentucky, period, which just. You know, let's reshape exactly what we're talking about here. Yes, it, multiple things can be true at once. I agree with you. Cal's never entered a season with more pressure on him at the college level, maybe ever, than this this upcoming season. But if you really made Kentucky fans right here and right now say, okay, then you have to trade him. 
you ha- you don't get him as your coach anymore. Who are you bringing in? If forced with that, I don't know how many Kentucky fans would actually make that move because he's still getting it done uh, at a pretty good level. Yes, there have been inconsistent results. I get all of that, but I'm not convinced that we're going to look up in three, four years and Kentucky is going to be cruising at the top of the sport. I still think that outcome is very possible, especially with NIL. I, I think that is, uh, I'm just telling you, it's Kentucky and it's Cal. I'm not underestimating the the future prospects of this program. Now, it makes for a fun copy and interesting discussion when Kentucky isn't exactly completely rolling. I get all that, but I don't know. I, th- I think uh, I think Cal has been speaking out in part because he's also he he's feeling himself and this team a bit. And I think he probably knows like he's got a pretty good team and a pretty good roster heading into this season. I think he's got a great team and a great roster heading into this season. But these two things can be true. Like if you really wanted to do a, a game of who would you trade for John Calipari right now? I mean, I think you could you can't actually do this, but Bill Self would be a reasonable answer. Honestly, Kentucky fans don't want to hear this, but Rick Patino would be a reasonable answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, there's other guys as well. I, I guess what I I would say this: the, the, these two things can both be true. It's possible there is no better coach for the Kentucky job, even right now, mm-hmm. than John Calipari. I think I mostly agree with that, but there are plenty of coaches who wouldn't go seven straight years at Kentucky with no Final Fours. And that's what he just did. Both those things can be true. I don't know how long that list is, Parrish. I hear you. Maybe maybe he's the best guy for the job, but he has gone to zero Final Fours in the past seven years. And I think if you give any number of coaches those rosters he's had over the past seven years, right? you'd get at least one Final Four in there. Reframe that. I don't have the answer. But since he got to Kentucky... Who has as many Final Fours as him? Does anyone? I don't know if anyone does, actually. I think he still has more since he got to Kentucky than anyone. I'm pretty yeah, no, sure that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. He, four in the first six years. I mean, he set the bar really, really high. Yeah. Like, you know, he'd been better off spreading those four out a little bit. The reality <laughs> is that's, yes, that's true. If you spread them out, uh, it's a different uh, tenor of discussion. Yes. Yeah. Like if, if he, instead of doing them, like whatever, he did them 2011, 2012, and then maybe do um, 2015, sure, and then do another like in 2019. Mm-hmm. It just sort of breaks it up a little bit. Like the, the the problem isn't the number of Final Fours since he's been at Kentucky. The problem is he hasn't been to one since 2015. What have you done for me lately? Yes. And another problem is is only one national title. I mean that that that's a thing. And I, you know, what complicates it a little bit? Bill Self winning a second national title. Yeah, he needs another national title. Well, he doesn't need it. He's going to live without another one. But why does he? Why do you say that? Why does he need it? Why does he need it? Why do you say that exact phrase? Because if he doesn't get a second national title, part of his story will be how many number one recruiting classes this guy have. Yeah, and only one national title. That'll that'll be that's already part of his story. I agree. If I tweet right now, if I were to tweet right now, tweet it. John Calipari has really been amazing at Kentucky. Just left it like that. One of the <laughs> tweet first, it. Tweet not, it right. Do it. I'm not do gonna it. do it. No, I'm gonna do it. What is? Do I'm okay. just gonna do it right now because th- this podcast is okay. still okay. Okay. 
I'm gonna do this. I'm doing it. <laughs> what am we, I tweeting? You, this is what you're tweeting. You know, when when you think about it, John Calipari has been incredible at Kentucky. And I submit that within the first five responses, somebody will say, Tell me how many national titles he's won again with all those recruiting classes. Something like that will pop up immediately. All right, here we go. When you think about it, John Calipari has been incredible at Kentucky. I'm just tweeting this. I don't know. It's out there. I don't care. Okay. All right, it's gotta, out there. All right, let's continue. Okay, now let me call up Twitter. Let's see. Let's see what happens. When you think about it, John Calipari has been incredible at Kentucky. I promise you, first five replies, one of them is going to be, it might be the first reply. Okay. Is going to be. Tell me how many national titles this guy has with all those recruiting classes. That that's about to pop up. <laughs> oh, because that's because that's where we're at. That's where we're at with him. They, you know, that'll be part of his story if he if he gets stuck on one. You get to two, it's a game changer. But you, if you if he retires with one, that will be something people point at forever. I'm not saying it's fair or even sensible. I'm just saying it's it's a real thing. Fair. Okay. Fair enough. With that in mind, we're gonna we might set the record on this one. We're trying to get in and out of these bad boys in like 20, 21 minutes. Um quick thoughts on I want your thoughts on the roster because I do I think Casey Wallace is going to be a baller. Uh Wheeler, you know, veteran, savvy point guard, like it. Frederick, let's see if he can uh really add to the dynamism of this offense. And then Damian Collins is back. He's got a really good ceiling. I love the roster up and down, man. I really do. Uh, the schedule's interesting. We'll do we'll do win total, regular season, over, under, and all that good stuff. But um, I, I know you're similar to me because you've got them top five. But I just like I like the size, the, the distribution of different kinds of players, positions, their strengths. And I think that this can, again, be a top five to ten offense in the country. I like the roster. Um Got to see Kaysom Wallace at the Iverson game. Um, got, you know, spent a little bit of time with him. Seemed like an impressive young man. Obviously a terrific player. Um, you know, he projects as a, you know, a, a, a lottery level guy. Great perimeter defender. Um, so if you go, I'm just throwing a starting lineup out there. Severe Wheeler, Kaysom Wallace, Chris Livingston. He's the other five-star freshman. Probable first-round pick. Uh, Jacob Toppin at the four. Oscar at the five, like that's obviously really good. It's got everything, experienced players, NBA talent. The only thing that worries me about that lineup is that's where you're getting your best five players on the court. Is there enough shooting in that lineup? Wallace is not known as a shooter. Livingston is a okay shooter. Toppin reportedly has improved his shooting and I think shot it pretty well in the Bahamas. Um, But Wheeler's a non-shooter. And obviously, Oscar's not a shooter. So the, the the thing that I would be concerned about is that when I've got my best five players on the court, I don't have shooting on the court. But you do have Antonio Reeves on the bench, if he's you know on the bench. He shot 39% from three last season at Illinois State. And you've got C.J. Frederick on the bench. He shot 46.6% from three in two years at Iowa. So the roster does have shooting but it's not likely to be in your starting lineup. And that makes me wonder, is your starting lineup fundamentally flawed? There's a case to be had there. And we could, well, six weeks into the season, look back and, and say, maybe you're onto something here. I'll bank on them having just enough. And then she dominance, maybe offsetting some of that, by the way, third, third tweet in one ring with all those top recruiting <laughs> classes and UNC would have destroyed them 
had Kendall Marshall not broken his wrist, most overrated coach in college basketball. That is the third reply. Shouts to Mike DeCourcy, who goes, too many don't think about it, though. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, if I know, if I... If I know anything, it's how people will reply to a John Calipari tweet on Twitter. I told you that's exactly what would happen. We got someone coming back. We beat him with a healthy Kendall Marshall. This is what's going to happen here, what I've done. And this is the glory of mute the conversation feature on Twitter is that this is going to probably uh, create some sort of back and forth between Carolina and Kentucky fans that I just have no interest whatsoever in. Okay, that in mind, win total regular season. Last season, Kentucky, en route to a two-seed, won 25 games, went 14-4 and four in the SEC, 25-6 and six overall prior to going into the SEC tournament. Here are the, As we record this, Kentucky has not released its full non-conference schedule, but I think, I think all the big boys are, are set. I don't, I'm not getting any uh, indications that there's another big-time opponent, although I'd always welcome it. Here's what uh, Kentucky's done. Michigan State, Champions Classic. Quote unquote at Gonzaga, November 20th. That will no, be no, okay. a neutral sort game. That, well, that game neutral? They're going to play Gonzaga in Spokane, Washington. It's uh, well, how does Kempom designate this? Semi, semi, uh, semi road, semi road, semi yes, away, semi road game. I will never, that, that, we will never call that a road game. I'm never calling it a road game. <laughs> okay. You want to play a road game? They're the flying to the Pacific Northwest and playing in a venue that you can walk to from Gonzaga's campus, but. And I'd love for it to be at the kennel. I'm going semi-road. I'll go semi-road. And I actually think for the committee's purposes, they will treat that as a road game. I think. That's a good question, though. Uh, maybe they I'm won't. A, I'm calling it neutral court. All right. December 4th. I, I still don't know why this is happening. Michigan and London, O2 Arena. This game was supposed to happen two years ago. Thanks to COVID, it's gotten pushed. But they're playing it this year. Kentucky versus Michigan and London. Um, I checked the ticket situation on this. Like 70% of the venue still hasn't sold tickets for this thing. So I don't know what. I mean, maybe it'll get better as we get Big Blue Nation will go anywhere, but they ain't flying to Europe. (laughs) This is maybe they will. I don't know. Some of them will, but I don't know. Um, But that's a a really tasty matchup there. And then, you know. Surprise, surprise John didn't want to play Gonzaga in London. Like, you come to Rupp, we'll play you in London. We'll We'll play you in Paris. Easy. Fiji. We'll yeah. What if John tried to get home and homes, quote home and homes, but it was you have to go to Rupp and then we'll 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 play you in Europe. Caracas. <laughs> All right. You uh, come to Rupp next season and then we'll play you in Barcelona the following year. Home and home series. Oh man. Let's get a home let's get a true home and home going with uh, Indiana, but uh, we're going to Zurich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh Michigan Hunter Dickinson, Oscar Sheepway could be really good. December seventeen. Uh, CBS Sports Classic is coming to the Garden this year, so they will play Ukla and Mick Cronin, uh, which uh, which could be pretty good. Jaime Hawkes might be a top ten player in America. We'll see. And then they've got, I, I, the the date of the Louisville game gets you know bargained every year. Um, I never like it when it's on New Year's Eve. Now it doesn't happen a ton, but it happens on occasion. It's it's a New Year's Eve. In fact, I'm pretty sure GP got shipped to this game on a New Year's Eve like seven years ago. I'm pretty sure that. Am I remembering that correctly? Didn't that I, happen? I have been to a Kentucky Louisville game on New Year's Eve because I remember then driving back. Uh, one of my best buds was living in Nashville at the time, and I spent New Year's Eve in Nashville. I don't remember anything yeah. about the game. I just remember okay. spending New Year's Eve in Nashville. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so that's on New Year's Eve, and then they're going to get, as we mentioned in the Kansas pod, uh, Rupp will host the Jayhawks last weekend of January for the annual Big 12 SEC Challenge. That in mind, those are your non-conference big ones. Michigan State, Gonzaga, Michigan, UCLA, 
home to Louisville, home to Kansas. Not a true, true, true road game in the mix there. So a little bit of the Coach K philosophy for Cal here. I do like this team. SEC will be good. Mark me down for a repeat regular season record. I'll go. I want to go 26, but I don't think I can go 26. SEC should still be good enough at the top where they're going to get picked off a few. And that is enough relatively ambitious non-con schedule. 25 and 6, two consecutive seasons for Kentucky, two seed again heading into the NCAA tournament. What is your number for Calipari's Wildcats, GP? Two non-league losses. You love two non-league losses. You cannot get enough of this. You can't get enough. I think they'll they'll lose on a neutral court to Gonzaga. And then they'll lose another one. I don't know which one. You want to pick it. Okay. I don't know what like I I will pick them to win every other non-league game. I just assume they'll lose another one somewhere. But I'll pick them. Like if you told me go through each game, win, loss, win, loss, I'd have them losing the neutral court to Gonzaga and winning all the rest of them. But I don't think they'll win all the rest of them. I think they'll lose another one somewhere. So two non-league losses and then 14 and four in the league. So that puts me at what? 25 and six. Same thing. There we go. I'm 25 and six. One seed in the NCAA tournament. Ooh, that's that's conceivable. Depending on how you get to that 25, they could certainly. I assume if you're doing that, you're saying SEC. Although, what are we kidding? Winning the SEC tournament means nothing. So yeah, no, that doesn't matter. It doesn't have any impact on where Kentucky would be seated. So yeah, I, th- I think that I think in the regular season they're going to be a lot like they were last year, which is very very good. Um. But I do think they'll be the conference champions. I've got them picked first in the SEC. And then it'll come down to, like, you know, you can't goof it up in that single elimination tournament again. Or else it'll get, it'll get real tough. I mean, come on now. They need, they need to avoid a MAC opponent at all costs. That's, that's, the, that's the real problematic thing. Oh, well, last thing for me. Hmm. Cal said when they didn't want to play at Gonzaga that he went and looked back and Kentucky had not played a true road game in a venue under 7,000 people since the 70s. That's incorrect. (laughs) Shocking. They played Bobby Moe in the NIT in the New Orleans Noel year, and they lost. What he he would say to that is... I know. We didn't schedule it. That's exactly right. First off, he did not go look this up. He doesn't look like that, all right? (laughs) But what he would say, because I thought about that, and I, I know what he would say... That's not one we schedule. We didn't schedule that. We were told you've got to go. You've got to go play there. But they did do it. They did yeah. do it. Um, <laughs> I was about to tell a story, but let, it, it's a, it's an unnecessary story. Let's get out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe. <laughs> what happened? Just my mentions right now. I mean, it's exactly what you said it was going to be. So I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Just uh, no, it's fine. I told you. No, I know, the point I know of this is people are going to listen to this podcast two days after we've. <laughs> so they're going to go back and find the tweet. Amazing. That's why I love doing it. So no, I knew exactly what would happen if you did that. That that's that is very very predictable. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. Make it make it uh, reflect that in the comments over at Apple. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and knock that out right now. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till, till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.